I'd like to invite you to pray with me as we prepare to hear from God's word. Let's pray together. Or that that song that they sang and that we listened to, that is our prayer. That the Holy Spirit would rain down and apply God's your your word to our hearts and convict us where we have sinned. Lord, just lay our hearts open to us this morning. Humble us this morning. Help us to see ourselves clearly in the mirror of your word and to not forget what we've seen when we walk away from here, but to be changed and transformed. Help our minds to be renewed through your word. Please help me to serve your people well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Gives me great comfort when we pray before I preach, so I appreciate that. Um, So we are in Proverbs today, and I'll reiterate what I told you last week, because I think it's helpful to be reminded of it anytime you're about to study the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Proverbs is uh, sort of an anthology of wise sayings that the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit breathed through Solomon. So it's not a, a logical train of thought from start to beginning, and it's not a story it's, it's um, statements and contrasts and analogies and warnings. And, and overall, you experience the book of Proverbs like you would experience a summer with your wise old grandpa on his farm, you know, working all day and hearing him just sort of dispense wisdom. And it, it's random sometimes, it's out of left field sometimes, but it sinks in over the course of the summer and you walk away wiser, more understanding, more mature. That's sort of the way Proverbs works. You let it sort of wash over your mind and, and different things stick the more time you spend in the book. It's a really unique, really wonderful book. So today we're looking at one particular topic within the book of Proverbs, as we have been for a couple of weeks now, um, and it's the topic of scorn. Now raise your hand if you've ever heard a sermon preached on the topic of scorn. Okay. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> and I think I, I think I understand now why as I try to prepare this sermon. Um, I have found a really difficult time wrestling all the, the, the diverse things Proverbs says about this topic into a coherent message. But I, I think that the Lord has led me, uh, to how to present this to you and we'll see what he does with it. But we're talking about scorn and scoffing. Now, these are not words that we really use, but they're good words. So I wanted to stick with these words that the Bible uses. We need to, I think we need to hang on to these words and use them as labels to understand ourselves and what's in our hearts a little bit. So let's define our terms here. Scorn, our English word scorn means uh, feeling or belief that somebody or something else is beneath you or despicable. That's how the dictionary defines our English word for scorn. So it's, it's basically the feeling or the belief or the perception that you're better, better than, and then fill in the blank, better than this class of people, better than this woman over here, better than um, those people who are into that stuff. That's scorn. Scoffing is to speak in a scornful way. Okay, so you're getting the terms clear in your mind. Scorn is the perception I'm better than you. Scoffing is how I then speak to you because I perceive that I'm better than you. It's the perception and then the verbal outcome of the perception. 
That's what we're dealing with. And Proverbs talks a lot about this because your, um, your level of scorn for other people is very closely connected to how wise or foolish you are. It's very closely connected. And we'll see as I show you some Proverbs how serious this is. This is a serious topic. So we're going we're gonna to look into it. And I want to begin by reading to you Proverbs 21, 24. We're going to read a lot of Proverbs today. In Proverbs 21, 24, Solomon defines what he means by scoffer. In Proverbs 21, 24, Solomon writes, Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Scoffer is the name for the arrogant man, the man who thinks highly of himself. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant man and the haughty man. Arrogance is thinking highly of yourself. Haughty is thinking lowly of everybody else. So it's the one-two punch of disgusting pride to think that you're awesome and everybody else is terrible. Okay, the arrogant, haughty man, his name is Scoffer. That's what Solomon has in mind. So, and you'll notice he doesn't just think that way, he acts on it. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. So some of you may be arrogant and haughty, but you're really good at hiding it. And you never speak as though you're arrogant and haughty. You speak as though you're humble and loving, but in your mind you're thinking, I'm glad I'm not like that guy, or I'm glad I'm not like those people. If, if that's how you are, you're probably not a scoffer. You're just arrogant and haughty. A scoffer acts on it, speaks like he's arrogant, speaks like he thinks lowly of everybody else. Okay, so I have a test for you because Proverbs gets, gets very specific about this character in the Bible, the scoffer, the scorner. Okay, and it has more to do than just arrogance and haughtiness. It comes out especially in how we respond to harsh criticism. And that's the one consistency throughout Proverbs about the scoffer and the scorner. The problem arises whenever they are criticized or corrected or instructed. So I've developed a test for you. This is going to be a very introspective sort of sermon for you. I've already done my introspection as I've been painfully working through this. So this is like a, uh, you're here for a spiritual physical today. So I have a test for you. It's five questions. And I want you to take it seriously. I want you to very humbly allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart here and, and see what's in there. And then we'll see the hope that we have in all this at the end. So question number one, how do you respond to those who correct and reprove you? How do you respond to those who correct? In other words, they they firmly redirect you when you're doing something wrong or reprove, which means to reprimand like sharply with a sharp word. Uh, It's not a gentle correction when you're reproved. It's a sharp, harsh Correction. How do you respond to people who do this in your life to you? Proverbs 9, 7 and 8 says, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, 
or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. So here Proverbs tells us, don't even try to correct or reprove a scoffer because you're just going to get yourself hurt, abused, hated. That word abuse there is more literally dishonored. See, the scoffer, when, when he or she is corrected or reproved, sharply you know, told what he's doing is wrong and what he should be doing, responds with a hateful mockery, responds in such a way as to try to humiliate the one who is trying to correct or to instruct or to reprove. I mean, this is anything from the, the mild end, the eye roll of the teenager to their parents when they're trying to tell them what's right from wrong to the uh, malicious, humiliating gossip of someone who has had a wrong in their heart pointed out and has their feelings so hurt that then they go behind that person's back and just talk bad about them, just try to slay them in the opinion of everybody else to protect themselves. So how do you respond to those who correct and reprove you? Think about, for you young people, think about how you are toward your parents when they try to instruct you. Think about um, how you are to older siblings or to bosses or to um, people in authority over you. How do you respond when you're doing something wrong and somebody comes in and points it out, especially in a sharp way, maybe even a graceless way? Because scoffers abuse the people that correct them and hate the people that reprove them. Question number two, what do you do with rebuke? In other words, you know, rebuke is the sharp uh, criticism or, or judgment about something you're doing that's wrong. What do you do when you receive that? Proverbs 13.1 says, a wise son hears his father's instruction. But a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. So the contrast here is between a wise son who hears instruction and takes it in and learns with a scoffer who does not listen to rebuke, will not listen to it, will not hear it, plugs his ears. It can't get in. Can you hear rebuke or do you refuse to hear it? This reminds me of a time when I was in college and I lived in this apartment with another college student and a PhD student from Romania named Corrine, Corrine Mihela. Great guy, extremely blunt. Probably the most blunt person I've ever met. I, maybe it's a European thing, but I remember I was working at, um, I've worked so many jobs back then. I think I was working at Super Target or something and they changed our pay schedule to once a month instead of bi-weekly. And I remember saying something, he was within earshot and said something like, um, I just, I, I was lamenting about that. I felt like it was going to be harder for me. I was used to getting it, you know, in smaller amounts every two weeks instead of in one big amount once a month. You know, I was just talking, thinking out loud. And he says, well, it sounds to me like you don't know how to manage your money. I was like, I wasn't even talking to you, Kareem. <laughs> but, you know, he's right. I mean, what's the difference? It's just a matter of managing your money. But I did not care for it. <laughs> I did not like it. And that was sort of a sharp, um, you know, needlessly blunt way of correcting me. But it was, you know, it was a helpful correction. He was right. So what do you do when someone says something like that to you? What do you do with that? Uh, if I was a scoffer in that moment, I would have said, 
I don't care for that, and therefore I'm not going to listen to it. I'm, I'm just going to keep thinking the way I'm thinking, and I'm not going to acknowledge it. If I was a wise man, I, I would have taken into account and said, oh, you know, you're, you're actually right, and planned out how I manage my money better. Um, I won't tell you which one I did. Actually, I think I actually did take it into account. Uh, it was more funny just knowing him than anything else. But when you're criticized, how do you respond? Because this is where your, your humility or your pride is revealed. This is where it's revealed if you're a humble learner or a scorning scoffer. So question number three, how do you feel about reproof and wise people? In general, how do you feel toward reproof and wise people? How do you feel about when you're corrected, when someone points out something that's wrong in you, even sharply? And how do you feel about people that are wiser than you and that understand more than you? Proverbs, Proverbs fifteen twelve says, A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. A scoffer does not like to be reproved. Does not like for anybody to know that they're doing something wrong, that they're thinking in the wrong way. They don't like for it to be pointed out. They don't like it. And therefore, they avoid wise people. They avoid the company of people wherein that would be revealed that they're doing something foolish, that they're doing something sinful. So how do you relate to wise people? Think about your friends. Are they wise people or are they fools? And you know. Do you gravitate towards people who are wiser than you, more mature than you, who can pull you up? Or do you gravitate toward the immature, toward the foolish, toward the ones who are never going to point out anything that you're doing wrong? Do you prefer yes men and yes women? Are you drawn toward people who fear the Lord? You know those people who you're viewing history on Netflix seems fine until they're sitting in the room with you and suddenly you're uncomfortable. Are you drawn toward or away from people like that? Because scoffers don't want anything to do with people like that. Scoffers will not go into the company of people like that willingly. They, they are not interested in that. They want to stay in their little zone where they're comfortable in the dark, where their sin and foolishness is not, foolishness is not revealed. Are you around people who will reprove you? Question number four, do you learn? Do you learn? Proverbs nineteen twenty five says, this, this is a harsh one. Strike a scoffer. In other words, hit them hard. Strike is like, a, it's a hard term. It's not just nudge. It's hit hard. Strike a scoffer and the simple will learn prudence. Reprove a man of understanding and he will gain knowledge. Did you see the basic contrast there? Punch a scoffer in the face. He's not going to learn anything. But somebody who's simple or naive might see it and they might learn at least. So the best case scenario for a scoffer is at least they might be a good object lesson for somebody who hasn't learned much yet. That's a hard word. That's harsh. And then it contrasts it with the man of understanding who is just reproved, doesn't even have to be struck. And he will gain understanding. So the question here is, do you learn? Have you changed as you've grown? Have you 
amended your ways, the way you relate to people, the way you fear the Lord, the way you use your money, the way you use your speech? Do you gain understanding through the painful corrections and reproof of life? Or are you like the scoffer who it doesn't matter how many times you run into the brick wall. It doesn't matter how many times you painfully have to learn the same lessons over and over again. You don't learn and you keep going. And the the best thing that come out of your life is that some younger person might watch your life and be like, I'm not going to be like that. At least I won't repeat those mistakes. And lastly, the number five The fifth question, are you typically involved in strife, quarreling, and abuse? Now, again, that's that same word abuse, which means dishonor. So it's when people belittle each other, try to humiliate each other. Strife is angry, bitter disagreements where there's really never going to be a resolution because the bitterness is too deep. Uh, quarreling is arguments between people that just flat don't like each other. Quarreling isn't what brothers and sisters do who they disagree, but they love each other. Quarreling is what enemies do. Proverbs 22.10 says, Drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out, and quarreling and abuse will cease. Scoffers are conduits for strife and quarreling. And dishonorable abuse. Scoffers will look around and look back at their life and see that they've just always had trouble with people. But not realize that they are the common denominator to all those relationships. So are you typically involved in strife and quarreling and abuse? Does it seem like you're always having trouble with somebody? If it seems like you're always having trouble with somebody you're probably the common denominator and it might be some scorn in your heart that's causing you to be too proud and it's causing you perhaps to speak scoffily and that may be the problem. So I wonder how you did on that. I suspect I know how you did. I suspect you did about like I did and you saw examples where you have failed in all of these questions in your life, maybe even recently. And you may have seen where, you know, in your history, you've definitely been scornful and you've definitely been a scoffer. You probably don't feel that you are a scoffer, like that is your primary identity. You probably don't feel as though you're walking around that way every day. But I'll bet you saw it in you. I know that I saw it in me. Now, what's Bleak about Proverbs' picture of the scorner and the scoffer is it offers no hope. Proverbs offers no word of wisdom. If you are a scoffer or scorner, what you should do, it assumes that you're hopeless because it assumes that even if it did give you some advice, you wouldn't take it. So the only thing it says to do about scorners and scoffers is don't even try to correct them or reprove them. And if they're causing a lot of trouble, drive them out. You see, Proverbs is about wisdom. It's not about morality. Proverbs is about how to grow from foolish to wise. And this topic of scorn beautifully depicts how hopeless we are without Jesus Christ. See, the the scorner cannot be changed by his own uh, willpower, by his own wisdom, Because there's a fundamental flaw within the mind of the scorner. 
any correction, any instruction, any rebuke, any reproof is going to be rejected. Okay? The only hope that we scorners and scoffers have is that God through Jesus Christ would change us, like fundamentally change us, change our mind, change our heart through the gospel, which is what he does. So what I want to do as we conclude this sermon here, I could share so many more just to show you how serious this problem is. But what I want to do instead is to go ahead and let's direct our gaze from ourselves and from Proverbs to Jesus Christ himself. Okay? We're Christians. We're not the, the league of those endeavoring to be wise. You know, we're not just here because we want to be wise people. We're here because we recognize we, we need a Savior in Jesus Christ. So we want to look at this as Christians, not just people hoping to grow a little bit in our wisdom. So where does Jesus fit into all this? Think with me about Jesus. Was Jesus ever scorned or scoffed? Yes, absolutely. In fact, you could almost say he was scorned to death. He was scoffed to death. His death on the cross was the the ultimate climax of what can happen to someone when they are scorned and scoffed? Completely humiliated, completely hated, completely despised, completely rejected. Now, how did he respond to this scorn and scoffing? For, yeah, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. So one lesson we can draw from that is if while giving you that test, instead of you taking it, you're taking it on behalf of someone else that annoys you, someone that you feel scorns or scoffs at you, you have never been scorned and scoffed at like Jesus was. And he forgave. And so we must forgive. So Jesus was scorned to death. Now, let me ask you this. Was Jesus ever corrected or reproved or rebuked Did Jesus ever suffer striking blows? Well, he did, but not rightly. Jesus suffered the correction, reproof, rebuke, and the striking blows of the unrighteous fools who were crucifying him. And how did he respond? He did not respond with scorn. And he did not respond with scoffing. He is the one man who could have honestly said, I am up here and you are down here. I will not be subject to your reproof. I will not be subject to your correction. I will not be subject to your rebuke. I will not be subject to your striking blows. But he didn't. So if, if Jesus Christ does not scorn and scoff at the unrighteous rebuke he received, We who follow in his footsteps never have excuse to scorn or scoff. No matter how foolish our correctors may be, no matter how wicked our reprovers may be. Now, some of you may have taken that test and felt pretty justified. Well, yeah, I I don't respond well when my boss tells me what to do, but that's because he's an idiot. Or I don't respond well when my parents tell me what I ought to be doing because that's because they they don't understand anything. Even if that's true... 
Even if that's true, there's never, ever a time for the wise Christian to scoff or scorn, ever. It's just like envy last week. It is completely contrary to what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Completely contrary. Now, the good news is that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, while we were fundamentally flawed in our thinking, arrogant and haughty, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. Died to cleanse us from the sin caused by our arrogance and our pride and our haughtiness and our scorn. So there's forgiveness in him and there's power to change where otherwise there would be no power to change. So I encourage you and I encourage myself, wherever you saw scorn in your heart as as we looked at these scriptures, take that to Jesus now and just say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you help me to trust you? Will you help me to change? Will you help me to be humble like you're humble? And Lord willing, we'll become an increasingly more and more and more over time humble church, humble group of people. And that would be beautiful, wouldn't it? To be known just as the most humble people because we follow Jesus. I think that would be a great testimony to our Lord and our Savior. So let's pray together for that now. Father, we acknowledge before you that Jesus had to be scorned to death on the cross because of our sin and our folly. And we thank you that Jesus succeeded where we failed and and paved a new path for us to walk as we follow him. Lord, help us to receive that forgiveness. Help each and every one of us to understand clearly what it means to confess these sins before you and to repent, to receive your grace and to be transformed and to walk in newness of life. In Jesus' name. Amen.